0: I want to thank you all for your support and your encouragement and your prayers in these past, um, this past week, these past few days. It's been a trying time for our church, but I thank you. Please continue to pray for us uh, and pray for all those who are involved in the incident that we've been dealing with. Now, I want to ask you a question. What kind of character do you need? Not what kind of character do you want, but what kind of character do you actually need Because here's what I know, and you know it too, you're gonna have times of great joy and you're gonna have times of pain and life has its ups and downs, it has its challenges. So what kind of character do you need to make it through life? Now there's some things we don't wanna think about about our lives, including the fact that one day our lives will end. What kind of character will you need to face death? And this is especially important for Christians because as Dallas Willard, the Christian philosopher says, the most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's who you become. And that's what you will take into eternity. And so it makes me wonder if we are preparing our character to spend eternity with God. Or do we think that our character will just automatically adjust once we get to heaven? So we're in this series called Grow Character, and we are following a road map that is found in Philippians chapter 4. And in Philippians chapter 4, last week, as we began the series, we talked about a particular character trait, joy. And I encouraged you to memorize this verse, uh, Philippians 4.4, and so let's say it together just so that we can refresh our memories, let's say it together now. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, Rejoice. So so that is the default setting for Christians. Now, Paul is going to go one more step today, and he's going to talk about gentleness, another important character trait. Now, I did not grow up in a gentle culture. The culture I grew up in valued what we call toughness. You know, we admired the men who could dig a splinter out of the palm of their hand with their pocket knife while telling a joke. We're tough. I grew up hearing stories about my dad and how, how tough he was as a man. Like the time he was in a backwoods country bar, which is also known as a juke joint. Do you know what a juke joint is? Have you ever been to it? Don't raise your hand. Uh, I don't want to know. Okay. And so my dad is in this, in this backwoods country bar, and some guy is trying to pick a fight with him. My dad's nickname, by the way, was King Kong. You don't want to pick a fight with King Kong, right? But this guy, he just kept aggravating my dad and finally threw a punch and my dad just whirled around, hit the man, hit him right here, popped his eye out. Yeah, aren't you glad you came to church today? Just get that picture in your mind. My dad felt kind of bad about it. So they washed it in whiskey and put it back in. Now, here's the really funny part. My brother actually met the man years later, and the man's eye was all cloudy, and he couldn't see out of it, and this was the man's assessment of my father. He was one tough man. I guess if I knocked your eye out, you might think I was a really tough man, too. Now, when that story was told to me as a child, as a child I was told that story, the point of the story was be tough, be tough, be tough. Do you think that idea, especially for men, of being tough continues? You know, we do have kind of a macho ideal, right? I, I, I speak once a year to moms, to moms group that we have here at church, and I'm always asked the same question. The question is, why are men so emotionally disconnected. Now what the women are really asking is, why is my husband so emotionally disconnected? And I think it's because as men, we are socialized. Be tough. It's celebrated in movies, it's celebrated in video games, all the different influences that we have. And so for all of us, but for men especially, there's a fundamental question. The fundamental question is this, Do you want to be tough or do you want to be like Jesus? you want to be tough or do you want to be like Jesus? So let's dig in to verse five of Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four, verse five. Again, we're taking our time walking through this passage. It's so rich. And remember Paul who wrote these words is under house arrest in Rome. He is chained to a Roman soldier. His fate lies in the hands of Nero, a crazy man, whether he will live or die. And Paul says, let your gentleness be known to all. The Lord is near. So what does it mean to be gentle? Well, there's no single English word that translates the Greek. Uh, Scholars agree that this basically means the opposite of being thoughtless or selfish. And so let's just take a quick inventory. How many of you have ever been thoughtless or selfish? Okay, so if you've ever been that way, this is Paul saying you need to be a different way. Some of your translations will use the word reasonable now or gracious, let your graciousness be known to all. What does it mean to be gentle? Well, first, to be gentle means that you are reasonable. It means that in every situation, I pause before I take action. Now, this is hard for people like me who are urgent because this is, I hate to tell you this, while you're talking often, my mind is racing to figure out what to say. And I'm racing so fast, I'm thinking, okay, they're talking, I hear the problem, I know what the answer is. I'm going to show them how smart I am by giving them the right answer. Is that being gentle? No, not at all. That's why I have to slow down and actually think about hey, wait a minute, what is this person saying? What is this person feeling? What's going through their heart? which is tied to the next thing that it means to be gentle. To be gentle means to be selfless. I am not intent on proving I'm right. I want to focus on being connected. My goal is to lower the intensity, especially in conflict, not raise it. John Gottman is a relationship expert, and he says that he can predict divorce, whether a couple will divorce or not with a 95% accuracy rate. And he has the research to prove he can do it. The number one indicator that a couple will divorce is if when they come into conflict, one party in the couple has a harsh startup. You know what a harsh startup is, right? A harsh startup is when instead of saying, oh, help me understand how you feel, or help me get why this is an issue for you, your response is, I can't believe you'd say something so stupid. Harsh startup? (laughs) Yes, thank you. A harsh startup is when you set out to prove I'm right and you're wrong. But gentleness means I will be selfless. Instead of trying to prove you are wrong, I will own where I am. I will own my own hurt. I'll even own my own anger, but I am not out to hurt you. I'm not out to make you the one I blame. I'm not out to make you the responsible one. To be gentle means that I use appropriate strength. Now, this starts by actually knowing what your own strength is. You have to know your impact on other people. Now, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Most men are scared of their wives. Did you not see a couple of women looking very surprised? You're either looking surprised by saying that's, that's a gender secret, and nobody's supposed to know that, or you're surprised because you don't think it's true, but I promise you, it is true. They're not scared of you physically, but they are scared of your disapproval, they are scared of your anger, and they are scared of being abandoned. Years ago, I was counseling this couple. She had called and she said, my husband won't say anything. Can we come see you? Okay. So they came in the office, they sat on the couch. This guy was six foot three. And, you know, he, he'd worked out, you could tell. And it was a good thing because, I mean, from the neck down, he was a good looking man. But from the neck up, let's just say his face was unfortunate. We're in church, I have to tell you the truth. Now, she was five foot two. Right, he's six three, she's five foot, foot 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 two, cute as a as a button, and um, she says he won't talk to me. He won't talk to me, and he's sitting there just stone faced. And I felt this prompt from the Holy Spirit, and I looked at him and I said, "Can I just take a shot in the dark here? You know that you're average looking, okay?" And he nodded yes. So at least he knew. And I was being generous with average. Hey, be careful. You might be a sermon illustration one day too. (laughs) And then I said to him, I said, you think she's really cute, don't you? He goes, oh yeah. And I said, and you're scared that one day she's gonna figure out that a girl like her is too good looking to be with a guy like you. Is that right? Remember, I'm just shooting in the dark. A tear rolls down his cheek. I said, in fact, you're afraid she's gonna leave you. And so you figured your best strategy is to say nothing so you won't get in trouble. And now he's crying for real And I said, well, I want you to know your strategy's not working. And this big guy breaks down in tears. And his wife gets up off the couch, goes over, kneels in front of him, and just holds him. It was a breakthrough moment. She had no idea of her power in the relationship she thought his silence meant that he had the power. She didn't know how much power she had. So when we talk about being gentle, you've gotta know the power you have, the influence you have, especially if you're a parent, you've got tremendous power. In all relationships, if you're married, you've got tremendous power. You impact your partner. Now, a couple of things you need to know. When we say that everybody needs to be like Jesus, Jesus was gentle. Jesus was gentle. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 10.2. He said, in the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. Paul understood that Jesus was gentle, and now he is saying, I want to be just like Jesus, so I'm appealing to you just the way that Jesus would in his gentleness. Here's the second thing I want you to know. Gentleness is related to the spiritual fruit of self-control. You cannot be gentle unless you have been given the gift of self-control Grow a character that is strong enough to control yourself. How many of you pray regularly for self-control? How many of you pray regularly? Lord, help me please to embrace this. Because here's what I have observed. Self-control does not come naturally. If you need proof of this, we have a room of three-year-olds waiting for you. This is something we have to grow. Now Paul goes on and he says, let your gentleness be known to all men. So we need to reject all cultural messages for both men and women that discourage gentleness. See, our culture celebrates violence, sexuality, and power. Do you remember, some of you will, when President George H.W. Bush ran for election in 1988. In his acceptance of the Republican nomination, he called for us to be a kinder and gentler nation. And his people in his own party, including some evangelical Christians, condemned him saying he had gone soft. Saying he was a wimp but wasn't President Bush right? Wouldn't this be a better country if we were kinder and gentler with each other? You see, at Alice Drive, we celebrate being a place of grace. I also want us to be known by all people that we are a place of gentleness. We understand that there are people who are hurting and they are broken in this world do not need more condemnation. What they need is an encounter with the gentle Savior who will forgive their sins and bind up their wounds and heal their souls and lead them to eternity. Now, Paul goes on to say the Lord is near. And scholars say this is one of two meanings, and I think this is a time when Paul actually is saying both are true. The first meaning is that the Lord is near. That means he's close by. He is proximate. Now You know our mission is to help as many people as possible take their next step toward Jesus Christ. And this is how this connects. The closer you are to Jesus, the more you have taken that next step toward Jesus, the easier it is to see who Jesus is and to see the advantage of gentleness in Jesus, and how it can be yours. You will learn his character, much easier to learn the character of Jesus, close up than far away. And the second meaning is that Jesus is coming soon. That Jesus is coming soon. Now early believers believed that Jesus was going to come in their lifetimes. We're at a historical disadvantage because we know it's been 2,000 years and we can get lackadaisical about Jesus coming again. But I want you to see where this verse points that one day Jesus will return and there will be an accounting. I don't know exactly how that looks. I know we will be forgiven, those of us who are Christians, but I cannot help but wonder if Jesus might not ask you and might not ask me, were you gentle? Were you gentle in this life I gave you? Or maybe Jesus will ask us, why weren't you gentle? And you might say, well, <laughs> Jesus, you know, to be accepted by my friends, I had to be tough. Or, you know, Jesus, I, 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 I didn't even think about being gentle. Or, or Jesus, you know, I, that's not really what I thought I was supposed to be. Maybe, guys, and can I just speak bluntly to you, maybe you're gonna say, Jesus, I was taught to be tough. (laughs) Jesus would look at you and say, look, how tough do you think I was to be able to die on a cross, beaten, hang there for six hours? Huh? Think on these things. I wish I could convince all of you that gentleness is a better way to live. Now, the problem is I would have to convince myself too. Right, because I, I still, I was raised in this culture. I still buy into it. When I go down to Florida and we work cows and, you know, it's, it, you just feel, you just feel the testosterone in the cow pens. John Wooden was probably the greatest um, college basketball coach that ever lived. But he grew up in rural Indiana and in the time that John Wooden grew up, farmers would take their teams of horses and they would go to a gravel pit, would attach their team to a big bucket and they would scoop out the gravel and then take it and load it uh, to be spread out on a country road and they would get paid by the county for this extra work. Well, one day when John was a little boy, he went with his dad down to the gravel pit and down at the bottom of the pit, there was a big bucket filled with gravel and there was a young farmer who had two really big uh, horses, And the young farmer was whipping the horses and they would not move. They would not move. And he was cussing the horses. The horses were frothing at the mouth and he just couldn't get those horses to go. And he was getting angrier and angrier. And John's dad stepped forward and said, let me me give this a try. John's dad went up to those horses were very agitated and unsettled. he began to speak to them in very hushed tones, calm them down, began to stroke their noses with a gentle touch. And after they'd settled down, didn't take long four or five minutes. John's dad stepped between the horses and grabbed hold of the bridles in a gentle way, and then just took one step forward. They felt a little bit of pressure on their bridles, and guess what the horses did? They took one step forward. And then he took another step forward. Guess what the horses did? And about three more steps, those horses pulled that big bucket of gravel out of that pit as if it was the easiest thing in the world. And John Wooden said this, I've never forgotten what I saw him do and how he did it. Over the years, I've seen a lot of leaders act like that angry young farmer who lost control. So much more can be accomplished by dad's approach, being calm, confident, and steady. And then John took away this indelible lesson. It takes strength inside to be gentle on the outside. Isn't that true? Isn't that true of Jesus? So how do you become gentle? Well last week I encouraged you to find a prayer about joy. And this week, same prayer except we modify it. It goes like this, Heavenly Father, teach me to be gentle like Jesus. Teach me to be gentle like Jesus. I wanna encourage you to pray that this week. And especially those of you who are in stressful jobs, (laughs) I know a little bit about stress. I know in stress, I tend to be not gentle. And I wanna say, hey, my anxiety justifies me not being gentle. How much better would your life be in the middle of your stress if you were praying, Lord, teach me to be gentle like Jesus? Read your Bible. Look at those stories of Jesus. Even the stories when he was mad at the Pharisees, when he was turning over tables in the in the temple, can you still see his gentleness? I mean, don't you remember he he could have called down fire from heaven? Turning over tables is a lot gentler. Ask God to make you like Jesus. Slow down your reactions. This is why you need to pray for self-control. Before you speak or act, pause and think, is my response going to be gentle? Hey, and especially when your spouse says something you don't agree with, before you say a word, ask yourself the question, is my response going to be gentle? And parents, above all things, ask, is my response going to be gentle? That doesn't mean that you don't discipline. It just means you use the right amount of strength. Find a gentle mentor. Like last week, I encourage you to find a joy mentor. Well, find a gentle mentor, someone in your life who is gentle. Now, I told you I grew up in this kind of tough culture. Um, I had to go to historical examples to find examples of gentleness. Uh, President William McKinley is a gentle mentor to me. You, you may not know that President McKinley was One of our most devout presidents, he was saved at a Methodist camp meeting when he was 16, baptized by immersion at the lake. That's why you need to come to Lake Baptism today and be baptized. And he was a devout follower of Jesus. He and his wife lost their two daughters each before they were the age of three. And his wife became a semi-invalid both physically and emotionally, she was wrecked. He would often leave cabinet meetings and state dinners to go upstairs and check on his wife. He would say, excuse me, I must check on my wife. What gentleness. But maybe the most gentle moment of his life came on the day he was shot. He was shot by an anarchist in Buffalo, New York, a man named Leo Zagolsky. And after he shot the president, the guy who shot him, he was pounced on by the police and by the Secret Service, you can imagine, and, and in their outrage, they began to beat him. And as McKinley was being hurried away, he had taken a bullet wound, by the way, to the belly. As he was being hurried away, he issued one of his last commands as president in the loudest voice he could, he said, stop it, don't hurt him. Remember, one of the tests of character is how will you face death? Do you think President McKinley passed that test? Isn't this What Jesus did when he was on the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing? One last thing. I think you need to actually ask this fundamental question Would my life be better if I were gentle? Would my life be better? And I think you already know the answer to that question, don't you? I know that your marriage would improve. I know your relationship with your kids would improve. And you might say, well, it's too late. It's never too late. I know that your relationship with your heavenly father would improve if you were more gentle. Hey, guess what, this even works at work, believe it or not. I mean, anybody, don't raise your hand on this one. Anybody ever been yelled at at work? I I told you not to raise your hand. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but whenever somebody yells at me, they become Charlie Brown's teacher. <laughs> wop, 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 wop. Right? I'm not listening. I don't like to be yelled at. You can correct me. You can even tell me you're angry. But when you do so with gentleness, it's so much easier for me to hear you and I feel like I want to stay connected to you. And you know, if you're not a believer, I think you ought to ask yourself the same question. Would my life be better if I were gentle? And I think you know the answer. But here's what I know, gentleness doesn't come naturally, you're gonna need help, and that's a great reason for following Jesus Christ. That is a great reason for asking Jesus to come into your life and forgive your sins, and then saying, "I want to follow Jesus because I want to learn to be just like him. I think it 'll work for you now today we 're going to celebrate the lord 's Supper, and normally, when we celebrate the lord 's Supper, we talk a lot about the forgiveness of our sins and and how Jesus comes and he, he cleanses us, and all that is true, but today i want I want you to think about this with a different term and it's a, it's a term we find in theology. It's called incarnation. Just think, think with me about this. Jesus could have come to this earth and he could have said, I have come to be the savior. It'd be a little overpowering, wouldn't it? Yeah, just a little. He doesn't do that. How was he born? Do you remember? Baby in a manger. How did he grow up? Poor working class, what did he do before he became a rabbi? (laughs) He was a builder, carpenter. When he did his three years of ministry, how did he respond to the people who came up to him and wanted to be healed? Gentle Jesus, and on the cross, do you think it took strength? for him to be there. And in gentleness, give himself for our sins. That's what I want you to think about during this Lord's Supper. So if you will, please take this cup you were given and if you don't have one, would you just raise your hand, kind of raise it high. We have some deacons who will give you one, several down here in the front guys. Over here. Here. To keep them high till we get to you. Gonna take us a minute. Hey, yeah, Roy, down here, here. Now, if you would peel back that part where the cracker is and bring out that cracker and just hold it. You know, whenever we do this, we say that his body was broken. How much gentleness did it take for Jesus? How much selflessness to let himself be beaten and then nailed to that cross? How much gentleness did it take for him to say to that one thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. How much gentleness did it take for him to say, Father, forgive them? They they don't know what they're doing. And if you're a Christian, would you just rejoice that we have a gentle Savior? Will you give God thanks and take an ease? if you would peel back that part of that that little lid there over the juice we talk about his blood being shed most of us have never experienced copious blood loss but Jesus did he was beaten and he bled his wounds on the cross he bled I'm told that when you lose that much blood, you become delirious. And then imagine, piled on is the weight of all the sin of all the world. And yet Jesus stayed on that cross because he wants you to know that by his sacrifice, you can have a relationship with your creator, your heavenly father, your sins can be forgiven. Have a new and different life. And so today, remember that his blood was shed for you because he's a gentle Savior. Give thanks and take and drink. Pray with me. Father, thank you for being a gentle God oh God, I know you're a powerful God, but you're also gentle. And I thank you that you sent your son humble and gentle into this world to save us all. But God, we have to receive that gift and I pray that the people who've not yet received that gift today will open their lives to Jesus and accept him as Savior and Lord. Father, I pray for those of us who believe, help us to be just like Jesus. And let our gentleness be known to all, because we are close to you, and we're being just like you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.